Thank you so much, Abby. What a wonderful thing to be able to say as a believer that Christ is enough for each one of us. As we look into God's Word, we see written large upon each page the sufficiency of Christ and all that we need. So as we come to Him, we, we come with knowing and understanding our great need, but knowing that He is a God who can meet that need. Well, I want to say just a word of thanks for our youth. They are helping our service the first Sunday of every month. They're in the, uh, the main service in the evening. You know, it's them welcoming, they're playing and helping, ushering, all those things, serving in other ways. And I want to say thank you very much for that. That's encouraging uh, to us to see you serving. Well, tonight, I mentioned this morning that um, I had two goals tonight. And uh, one of them was to continue with one of the passages that dealt with um, our giving. And the other goal was to kind of dissect how you walk through Scripture and, um, and to study Scripture on your, on your own. Um, I have a, a deep concern that sometimes we just read through pages. We just kind of mark time. And so I want to give you just a couple ideas. These are not super difficult. It's me, remember. remember okay? it's not. So, but this is, these are things that will help you, hopefully, um, to understand God's Word, and as you read, um, to, to really dwell on that. Now, this is part of our Grow series, 2 Corinthians, that's where I want you to go, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So, I'm just warning you, it's not going to be like a normal message where I have three main points and we're done. Uh, it's going to continue on and on, no. Um, it's going to be, hopefully, I'm going to ask you questions at the end, and you're going to shout them loudly so I can hear, and uh, we'll walk through this. So, um, let me give you a little context, because he's talking to two different areas, and so hopefully you'll be able to see on, uh, or maybe not, on the big fuzzy line up the top. So we have uh, Ephesus here, Pergamum, Troas, Philippi, Thessalonica, and this is the area, the upper, upper left, you think of Macedonia. Okay, so when he talks about Macedonia, that. Um, Corinth is here, lower, Athens there, so we're, where we think of is really the heart of Greece, Right there. So, you know where we are now? Okay, so, got there. So, the two questions I want you to think about, I want you to write down or do whatever you need to do. Two questions. First of all, what do I learn about God in this passage? You come to every passage that you read in Scripture, and you want to know, why do I learn about God? What is God revealing of himself that I need to know today? Okay? Um, that's, that's so important to understand that we're just not reading to be good, we're just not reading to, to check a box to say we did or to be better people. We're reading to understand who God is. So what am I learning about God? Secondly, what do I learn about me? What do I learn about myself through Scripture that maybe, A, I'm doing something well, I'm being obedient, or B, maybe I need to work on an area. As I see God, how do I see myself as compared to God and His righteous standard? So those are the two things very simple, huh? Two things I want you to be thinking about as we read, because I'm going to ask you those questions at the end. All right? Are you ready? Okay. Oh, one other thing. Uh, <laughs> almost there. Uh, sometimes I look for, when I think about me, what Brian Chapel would say in his book, uh, Christ-Centered Preaching, the fallen condition focus, FCF, meaning... You get the behind the scenes here. Meaning, what in the passage relates to my, our fallen condition? 
So maybe it's a passage like here we're going to see, I'll tell you, it's the the propensity for us not to give to others. In our fallen condition, we're selfish, we're prideful, we want to hold on. So you look at that fallen condition and you see what God has to say about that. So there's your other note. All right. So first verse. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given to the churches of Macedonia. The grace of God been given to the churches of Macedonia. Now notice a couple of things that, that Paul... Paul's a very wise man. He speaks to them in, 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 in terms of endearment. Now, brethren, sister, I mean, sisters in Christ, um, we want to make you know what God is doing in the churches of Macedonia. Not how nice, how wonderful the people of Macedonia is, but the grace of God, which has been given to the churches, is resulting in something he's going to deal with. So he, he speaks very quickly. He calls them to the grace of God. Okay, this is not comparison between two churches, two, two areas of, of but this is, this is drawing their attention to the grace of God, which has been given. Obviously, every good gift is from God. He's giving this to the churches of Macedonia. It's that in the great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. Okay, wait a second, the great ordeal of their affliction. Okay, so... Um, Churches in Macedonia were going through quite a rough time uh, because of Christ, uh, because of Paul preaching Christ. It was a rough time. You, uh, there was persecution. It also was not a very uh, favorable economic situation for them. They were not like what we think of rolling in cash in the dough. They, they were not that. So there's a, tri- a great trial on them. But in their trial, notice there's, a, there's something that happens that, that's, a, that's a contrast. Okay, we have abundance of joy and deep poverty. Okay, so that doesn't sound right. If you're in deep poverty, how can you have joy? All right, supposed to be moping. So there's two things. One, we think of a bad thing, deep poverty. The other, a good thing, a joy. And this resulted in something. It overflowed in their wealth. No, it didn't. It, they overflowed in their liberality or their generosity. Wait, these two situations, deep poverty, and they're having joy through their poverty, and it resulted in them an overflowing generosity, a wealth, riches of generosity. Don't think of money. Think of an overflowing, a cup that, that just doesn't stop flowing over in generosity, which is a I think a word we understand better than liberality, which is a strange thing. I mean, if you understand the contrast of what's going on here, that there's that doesn't usually happen. Ordeal and trial doesn't usually result number one in joy, but number two in generosity. And so he's saying the grace of God in the Macedonians is resulting in this: they were impoverished. Now, let's contrast the Corinthians believers were not. The Corinthians believers were, as far as we can tell, uh, their city was a great city of commerce, and most of them did pretty well. Uh, when Paul writes First and Second Corinthians, he doesn't talk about them in their trial and their poverty. They had other problems, didn't they? The first, the, the first letter that we have to the Corinthians that's in our Bible is one that deals with great sin internally that they had not dealt with. So their trial was not external as in they needed money, they were poor or poverty, 
but it was the impoverishment of the soul, and they're dealing with that, or lack of dealing with that. And so you can see how he's setting this up. So, uh, Corinthians believers had their great conflict of sin. So, abundance of joy contrasted with deep poverty. So, he's gonna, that's, that's the, the groundwork there. Okay? So, we walk, continue walking through. For I testify that according to their ability, and yet beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. So, in all of this stuff that's going on for them, deep poverty, all those things, the trials they were going through, that they gave according to their ability to give. But, but wait, they gave more than you would think of their ability to give. And they gave it of their own accord. They didn't, like, Paul didn't have to come and pressure them. Their leaders weren't, like, in coming and, and making, making them do it. They didn't have, a, you know, a, a, a telethon or a, what are the Macedonian equivalent of, of that day. They, they weren't always raising money for this. They were giving, they were giving of their own accord. So much to their own accord, you see in verse 4, it says, begging with us with much urging the favor of participation and the support of the saints. They begged Paul and his company to be able to participate. Now, I underline that word participation because it's the word that we think of and we see as koinonia. And often it's translated fellowship. In our minds, fellowship is a good time with fried chicken or something else like that, a banana pudding. But here, and I think coming in the first of the year, we're going to talk about this word, koinonia. But here, this fellowship was the participation in the work that God was doing. It was not a being warmed and be filled and here's a covered dish. This, they're participating. He said, they begged us. They didn't beg us just once. You know how it is? Hey, can I help you? Oh, good. You know. They begged with much urging for the favor of participation and the support of the saints. So here's a people, they were... We're stacking this up. The people in deep poverty who loved God, the grace of God was poured out upon them, and the result of their grace, of the God's grace poured out upon them, was they were begging to give to the people who were, they considered, more impoverished than themselves. Right? So just kind of the background, there's several different collections taken up in the New Testament, but one of the ones we think of the most was the one for Jerusalem, and the family was going through that. So they're begging for this. They're, they, they're saying, hey, how can we help? And they're doing this of their own accord. Verse 5, and this, not as we expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. And I, it's interesting that Paul's like, I wouldn't have expected this to happen. Because, and it, let me just say, I, probably I would think, well, because of their situation, I wouldn't expect them to be quite so generous. They, they, have, a, they have a lot on them. They're, you know, and, and Paul says, no, but here, here's, here's the reason why they first gave them, verse 5, they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. You see a people here that uh, with an incredible bit of generosity, incredible bit, bit, bit of love, and it was all because of the grace of God given to them and because they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. What a people. What a people. So, so Paul's telling to the Corinthians, he's talking to them about the Macedonians. So he turns the corner with a so. So we urge Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so Titus started this for Paul in Corinth, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. 
Hey, Titus started, and so I, we urge Titus that as he's already begun, I want you to help the Corinthians to have that same heart. So Paul is helping a people who were holding on to their, to their, their valuables, holding on to those things. He was helping them experience the grace of God, helping them give themselves, verse 5, to the Lord so that it would result in a gracious work of, of, of giving. And the word complete, talking about the maturation process. Okay? And, and Paul slips these, these, this in by the, by the work of the Holy Spirit. The maturation process of a believer. And we're going to see here, the Corinthians were, were on the most part, by Second Corinthians, the, the, the second letter that we have, were, were doing pretty well in their spiritual growth. But there was yet something lacking. He wanted this to complete this gracious work in them as well. But notice that did here, but, but verse 7, but just as you abound in everything, this is how, how, how they were, you abounded in everything, in faith, man, Corinthians, your, your faith is strong, in utterance, you're, you're telling those uh, uh, about Jesus, okay? and in knowledge, the Corinthians had a great knowledge of who God was. Okay, and they, they were acting upon this knowledge, and they were very earnest. They weren't, it wasn't superficial. They weren't putting on any airs. They're very transparent, authentic, and the love that we inspired in you, and the love. And so all of these things are abounding in everything. Love, faith, utterance, knowledge, earnestness, love, again. See that you abound also in this gracious work. See how the, mat, the maturation processes of a believer is that God keeps adding. Think of uh, when Peter writes, to your faith add, and to this add, and to this add, and to this add. And this is where Paul is with the Corinthian church. There's yet another gracious work I want you to have in your heart. And this is that work of generosity, of giving to others. Now, I'm sure that Paul, by the Holy Spirit, could have said, let me command you, but the Holy Spirit stopped him. Because in verse 8, he says, I'm not speaking this as a command. Into which every believer would have said, if he had just done that, it would have been easier to know, okay, this is what we have to do. But as I said this morning, this is really, this is different from the Old Testament. This is the work of the heart coming out as you're generous. But as proving, okay, this testing process of what God's doing in your heart, through the earnestness of others, the sincerity of your love also. The gracious work, the generous work of giving proves, tests, and proves the earnestness of, through the earnestness of others, the sincerity of your love. So Paul keeps building on this. And he could have stopped there. He could say, you know, this is not a command, but this I'm urging you because this is how you show that you're a mature believer. And this is what you need to do, this is what you need to think, this gracious work, this giving. I'm not commanding you, but here it is. Uh, but, he, but he takes it one step forward. Verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Mm. So Paul says... This is not a command. But look at Jesus. Take your gaze back to Jesus. What did Jesus do? 
the grace of Jesus extended to us, to you. And He left the riches of heaven, the splendor of heaven, where He was enthroned in heaven and He became poor. He walked this earth without a house, a home to His name. He became poor for us, your sake. And it's like, not in Christians in general, those followers, but for your sake to the Corinthians. Okay? He became poor for you so that you, through His poverty, might become rich. And you'll understand that He's changing a couple things. Yes, He left the riches of heaven. And yes, He came to poor. But the final, the richness of, is of His grace is what's being expressed. The richness of God indwelling in the one who receives him as Savior. This is how they become rich in mercy and grace because of what God has done. And so Paul, it, it's almost not fair to us, to them. It's almost not fair because he said this is not a command, but you know what? Remember Jesus. Jesus became poor for you. To which any of us who are followers of Christ, like the knife goes through the heart. How can we be stingy with what God has given us because God has given everything? God has given everything for us. Jesus laid down His life. He sacrificed Himself. He died for us. He endured the the separation from the Father. The Father turned His back from Him because of our sin upon Him. And so we became rich because of what Jesus did. And if that didn't, Get us, I'm not sure what it is. It's, it's our advantage. So verse 10, it's I give my opinion in this matter. This, for this is to your advantage, this idea, generously giving, who were first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, but also to the desire to do it. And so we have the understanding that they started this, but they had not completed. It started and it kind of stopped. We don't, we don't know really why but also desire, verse 11, but now finish doing it also, so that just as there was readiness to desire it, so there may be also completion of it by your ability. Which, which you just kind of step back here. Um, we are often that way. We begin something. The Lord works on our heart to do something, and somehow we stop it. Maybe it is to, to help be generous, to be caring for someone, provide for them, and it's, somehow it stops there. And Paul here urges for the completion of the matter. To complete what they had begun. What God had, and we might take this from, um, we don't know for sure. Maybe it was the grace of God working in their heart to urge them. I don't think it was just that the Macedonians were doing it so they would do it. But God had had prompted in their heart, it seems to be, we can't concretely say this, but it seems that God had worked in their heart, they had started, but now... Need, they need to finish it. For there, uh, for if the readiness is present, the, the, the desire, the readiness to do this is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So, so Paul takes it. So you, if you have the readiness to do this now, it's acceptable to give, to, 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 to complete this, based on the giving, based upon what you have, not based upon what you not have. So there's appropriateness in giving, it seems, here. what he's saying here, that there is an appropriateness um, to, to give. It's proportionality. 
There's a proportionality in this. According to your means, the idea that I would give according to what God has blessed me with. God sees the eager desire to give rather than the reluctance, and no one is too poor to give, is what Paul is saying. We have that example from the Macedonians. No one is too poor to give. You give in proportion. Grace is given to the giver that he or she might give. A proportional giving. But, 13, he continues, This is not for the ease of others and for your affliction, but by way of equality. And hold that that thought there of the idea of equality. We're going to come back to it in a second. At this present time, verse 14, your abundance being a supply for their need, so that their abundance also may become a supply for your need, there may be equality. So he's saying, you have abundance. You're going to supply the need. And we don't know exactly what and how their abundance will come back for their need, but there's a proportionality. That is, those who give to those in need, and those will, who have given will receive according to their needs. That's what God is doing. And, and the idea is working in the body of Christ that this happens. These are not transactions on the table. But this is what God does through other believers to supply needs as we have needs. And then he brings up something very unusual because he goes to Exodus 16. And he quotes in verse 15, As it is written, He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little had no lack. He takes them back to the time of the manna. And you remember that time in Exodus 16? Paul takes them back, the Corinthians back, and we're going to, he's going to assume that the Corinthians are, are being now familiar, Gentiles now coming to familiarity with the Old Testament, to know that in Exodus 16, that when the people went to gather manna, the people who like grabbed a lot of it, the what they didn't need, they had extra, it spoiled and those who gathered, and maybe those who were lame or halt, and they, they couldn't get it, they only gathered a little. That's all they could get coming back to their tent. It was somehow enough to meet their needs. It was somehow just enough. The one who overgathered, it was the same as the one who undergathered. This is not teaching, you know, don't go out and work. This is saying that God will supply the needs. God will supply the needs. For those who may have physically or some other um, thing that would keep them from gathering much, God would supply the need. And so he gives a, a, a principle of equality here, that God provides for his people. Number one, understand that God provides for his people. But secondly, God's people provide for each other. God's people provide for each other. And there's the equality of us as believers in Christ that we are to undertake to care for the needs of other believers. And God often provides for His people through His own people providing for the needs of others. God often can miraculously provide in such a way that didn't see it coming. But God also uses the gracious work and the heart of one believer as he's maturing that believer to provide for another. And the principle of equality, even that poor believer that maybe have received a gift in a time of need can also, with the gracious work that God is doing in his heart to be generous, can give to others. 
We're going to stop there. 15 verses. We have a lot. So I kind of unpacked them. I only looked up one or two Greek words. Okay? And you can do that, like, do that on like Blue Letter Bible or something like that. There's stuff online, resources. Okay? Because I'm in my dual track here. I'm not only teaching on giving, but also teaching on as you feed yourself on God's Word. So first question. What do I learn about God in these first 15 verses of 2 Corinthians 8? What do I learn about God? I hear those hands. God provides. Good. God provides. God provides. What else do I learn about God? God cares about the growth that we are to have as a believer. It's just not, here's your salvation ticket. He desires you to continue to grow. Very good. What else do we know about God? Learn about God here. Can outgive God. Hmm? What else? Yeah, that example of Christ. He's not asking us to do anything that is, that is greater than what he's already done for us. God provides. He's in, he is interested in our growth. Can't outgive God. He's already provided the, the, the example. What else? He knows and, and gives exactly what we need. That's the, uh, that's the benefit of a God who is sovereign, who knows all. He's exactly what we need. Anything else you learn from God, about God here in this passage? At this point, I would take that and I would kind of write statements for myself. And I would turn what I'll know about God into statements I can trust God because he will provide, period. I can trust God because I know that he knows exactly what I need. I can follow God because I know he's interested in my growth as a believer. I know that God is not asking me to do anything that he's not already done. And very quickly in those first 15 verses, you have for yourself from God's word determine things that will help you in your Christian growth. It's not just words on the page now, not just a story of the Macedonians versus the Corinthians, okay? It's not just, you know, survivor in these two different areas. No, it is now real because the word God's word is giving me principles to live because I have a fallen condition focus that says, you know what, I'm not very generous, so I need God's grace in this. And to have God's grace, I know that he provides in such a way that I, I can rely upon him. I trust, so that's, sorry. Um, yeah, what do I learn about me? I skipped, sorry, I shouldn't, anyway. Go, what do I learn about me in this passage? It may not be so pretty, but maybe for you it's good. So. Yes? I need to be fully dependent upon God. I do. Yes, ma'am. 
We are poor without God. Excellent. I am poor without God. What else? What else do I know about me? Hmm? I don't need to hold on tightly to what God has given me. It's his. I'm expected to take action. And I don't like action like this. But I'm expected to take action. What else? Yeah. Because I want it to be a one-time thing because then I checked it off my box. That was good. I was generous this year. Oh, there we go. It's not a one-time thing. Generosity is not. It is a way of Christian, the way of, of the Christian life. Anything else? What do I want to know about me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I need God's grace. Mm-hmm. Same one? Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God is faithful about what he starts. I need to hang in, yeah, and continue on that path. Another I know about what I know about God. Yeah. What else? I need to examine why I'm giving. Because if I if I learn about me, sometimes maybe me, maybe us, we give because of any other reason. Like the recognition? Right. We don't see this. Yeah. What else? Yeah, those are those middle verses here. Sometimes we start something, but we don't always finish it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When God is generous for us, um, we we sometimes hang on. When I learn about me, I sometimes hang on too much to what He gives to me, or I begin to hoard it. And God, as we learned this morning, God graciously provides for us so that we might, in turn, provide for others every good work. What else? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. We we are too often, we, we worry about what we don't have. But to give from what we do have. I don't have enough to give, no. God says, and that was the Macedonians. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. It is a battle. Giving out of love instead of giving out of expectation for something else. It is a battle in our hearts and soul. We, we fight this because... We don't want to, number one, we don't want to turn away, turn loose of something that we, we think we own. In reality, God owns it all. And so we expect if we give this, then God's, you know, he might as well give us back something, right? That's how it works. You put a quarter in and get a candy bar out. And that's not where God works. He's more interested in the heart and the growth of us internally as we become more like Christ. Too, he's more concerned about too much than to just make this a quid pro quo, quid quo pro, so that we have money in, money out. 
It's the work of God doing. Now, does God bless? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you start seeing this in the New Testament and the Old Testament of that. But that's not, we don't do it so that we have a return. Anything else? Shouldn't compare my giving to other people giving. You notice that he said in, um, in the middle of verses, he said they, they gave according to their ability. But not all. Some gave beyond their ability. But he was not asking the, the, the Macedonians and the Corinthians to, to compare ledgers. He was asking them to be obedient and to give, have that gracious work come through them. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, and as we look and examine this next um, area of growth as a believer, the, the area of giving. Um, God has said so much about this, and yet we pay so little attention to it. And I wonder if there are things in our lives that um, God desires to do through us and since we have not surrendered to him in this area, we are not the conduit that he desires to use. Instead, he uses someone else. He would have had us be a blessing, a gracious giving to someone, but because we didn't obey, he used someone else. God will not be thwarted. But I wonder how many opportunities we have lost because we didn't obey. We didn't allow the grace of God built upon the foundation of trust in God because God is trustworthy. We don't allow that to, to repel us to this gracious work. I want to challenge you this, this week. Um, as we, as we, we study this, God will, will may, he may at some point say, okay, what have you learned this week? All right. He may give you an opportunity. And so... Hope that Scripture will come back to mind. Hope of the work of God. It's, um, the work of God is, is blessed as He does in our heart. That we as believers, growing believers, we give. So I want to encourage you. God desires to grow you, to make you more like Christ. Allow Him to do it in this area also. Because we can have faith and love and all those things that he listed for the Corinthians. Yet he wants us to continue to gain the spiritual muscle to his glory. To his glory. Let's bow for prayer. Gracious God, by your mercy and grace, thank you for what you've provided. Lord, thank you for your word and for the, the constant challenge it is to us and for the encouragement it is to us. And God, you have given us so much, your great grace and salvation and common grace to us all. You provide, and we stand in awe that you would love us and that you would do so. And so, Lord, today, help us to enter into the work that you are doing for those around us. Help us to be encouraged to be obedient. Lord, help us to be merciful and to care for those who are around us who need. Both believers, fellow believers, and those in our community that with which a word and a generous act would call them to examine Jesus. Lord, may we in our community live in such a way that you are glorified. 
words in Christ in my prayer. Amen.